Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the final installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Pretty remarkable when you think about it. We've been doing this now for, uh, gosh, ever since I lived in Memphis. So for at least six or so or seven or so years, uh, I think this is our eighth season of actually doing the podcast uh, over 100 episodes easily. Uh, pretty cool to have the opportunity to be with you here. However you're listening to podcasts, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, on iHeart, However you take in the show, thank you so much for being with us and ending your year and beginning your 2020 potentially with us as this podcast is dedicated to the list that just went live. If you're listening to this in the morning of New Year's Eve, this podcast went live as the final post of our top 10 Grizzlies players of the decade went live. So it's almost like the season finale of Watchmen. You know, you watch the season finale of that tremendous show. And then you go to the podcast and listen to the creator and that sort of thing. I'm not comparing myself to Watchmen, or maybe I am. I'm putting a lot of work into this thing. So maybe there's a little bit of Watchmen tendencies uh, going on here. Or maybe I'm belligerent because I've been doing so much number crunching all day. But anyway, uh, we're going to break down the list itself. I'm going to talk about my list throughout as well. And then, of course, my co-host here, who I'm going to bring in momentarily, uh, will give his thoughts as we go through it was supposed to be a top 10, but it worked out to be a top 12, essentially, and we'll talk all about that throughout the show. Ways to get in touch with the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Mullinax. You can follow the site on Twitter. I am the site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, at SBN Grizzlies. You can follow our podcast, at GBB Live. And, of course, you can follow my wonderful co-host, uh, the associate editor of grizzlybearblues.com, Mr. Parker Fleming, at Paca underscore Flocka. Parker, happy New Year's to you. Uh, we're going to have a, a a quick show. We're going to rapid fire this as best we can. But at the same time, uh, it's pretty cool the the work that's been put into this. Obviously, we had 25 folks from GBB, other media outlets like Gary Parrish at 92.9, uh, Peter Edmiston of The Athletic, Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast, the podcast, David Cobb of The Commercial Appeal. We had GBB alums on this. You know, all sorts of different people contributed to what I think is a pretty comprehensive list of the top Grizzlies players of the past 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I got to contribute to it. I got to, I think we had a very similar list, I would say. We're about to find out. We're going to dive right in. I, I spoiled a little bit a moment ago because I said it was supposed to be a top 10, but it kind of isn't. So the way that the voting went, and I would highly recommend that you go and read all three posts over at grizzlybearblues.com. It breaks down the voting process and that sort of thing. Uh, for every place that you are on the ballot, you got a point. So if you're put as the 10th place person, like believe it or not, Chandler Parsons, somebody voted for Chandler Parsons 10th, okay? It wasn't me, I swear to God. Somebody voted for Chandler Parsons. So Chandler Parsons gets one point for being 10th. And then every spot up you move, you get another point. So if you're ninth, you get two. If you're eighth, you get three. All the way up to if you get first place on somebody's ballot, you get 10 points. So it rewards being high up on the ballot. It rewards consistency of being on people's ballots. Like our first guy was on 15 of the 25 ballots, which is a major reason why he got the honorable mention nod. He does. Uh, so it rewards that consistency across the board. I think it was the best way to do this. And like I said, I think we got a pretty fair shake in terms of who is on this list. So we start with honorable mention. The reason that this guy gets honorable mention is because he got 15 of the 25 votes. Like I said, uh, he was only one point away from being in the running to being on the actual 
list. So we decided to give him an honorable mention nod, and that would be Mr. O.J. Mayo. Now, O.J. Mayo did not play uh, his entire Grizzlies run in this decade. He started in Memphis, obviously, with the 2008 season. That draft arrived with the Grizzlies uh, after the Kevin Love trade. But he was in Memphis, and you could argue his seasons of greatest substance, uh, 2010, 2011, and 2011, 2012. The, the beginnings of the decade for the Grizzlies, the beginnings of the grit and grind era, O.J. Mayo was a major part of that. Across his four seasons with the Grizzlies, he played in over 300 games. He shot 37.5% from beyond the arc. He had decent numbers, and again, his last two years were not his best statistically, but they were definitely his best in terms of impact. You can easily argue that the Memphis Grizzlies do not upset the San Antonio Spurs in the 2011 playoffs without O.J. Mayo. I think because of all those things being considered, uh, he's fallen off the basketball map a little bit, but he definitely is worthy of consideration and acknowledgement as being one of the greatest Grizzlies of this past decade, in my opinion, Parker. Yeah, and actually he was on my list at nine because like what you said, he was a big role in that first uh, Grizzlies playoff team, but also he entered the decade as starter. I mean, he was a very solid starter for the Grizzlies starting the decade, it was just one of those things where Tony Allen ended up being the better fit in that starting lineup. And OJ was better as a six man. I mean, he also wasn't really liked by Lionel Hollins. That was kind of public, but, and also it just kind of, kind of goes to show you the talent that the Grizzlies had around the core four, because for one, there was not a lot of longevity, but two, there wasn't a lot of talent. You could have made a case for with OJ spot. You could have made a case for, Jeff Green or James Ennis or Dylan Brooks even. So, I mean, my criteria was you had to play at least a full year with the Memphis Grizzlies. So, I mean, I left off John Morant, left off Shane Battier. Um, Yeah, those are the two popular ones that were on there that I personally left off because of those reasons. OJ Mayo Mayo was surprisingly durable, uh, especially his first two seasons. He started every single game he played his rookie season as well as his sophomore season. And according to basketballreference.com, he played 38 minutes a game. So that is a lot of miles being logged early on in his career. Certainly no load management on the young legs of O.J. Mayo. So O.J. Mayo gets a nod for an honorable mention selection. From there, we had two guys tie with 37 points. And their 37 points were also in combination with the tiebreaker that I established of votes gained. So Vince Carter and Tayshawn Prince, the two vote, or the two guys that tied for 10th, both got 37 points, one point more than OJ Mayo, but they did it in less votes. So that means that they were higher up on people's ballots in terms of impact. Uh, to give you an example, I have the list in front of me right now. Vince Carter uh, was as high as fifth on one person's ballot in terms of being the most in or the most important, the best Grizzlies of the decade. So that helps him a good bit. Tayshawn Prince in a similar boat, but we'll lead off with Vince Carter. Uh, Vince Carter was not very good. Uh, He was not on my ballot. OJ Mayo was 10th on my personal ballot that I submitted as part of this. I did not include Vince Carter. He had one really good season, his final season with the Grizzlies. And just like OJ Mayo was important to that first Spurs series of the grit and grind era, Vince Carter was important to the last series where Memphis got beat by San Antonio in 2017. That's the Mike Conley versus Kawhi Leonard series. 
Vince Carter was pretty influential in that, shot 40% from three. He played a ton of minutes as a starter in that series at the age of 40 years old. But I think to a lot of the folks that voted, the fact that Vince Carter was ever a member of the Memphis Grizzlies and he actually did play well towards the end maybe skews it a little bit, at least for me. Vince wasn't on my list, but he is tied for 10th and he does make the roster, so to speak, of the all-time or the all-decade, excuse me, Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I left him off my ballot for the same reasons you mentioned. He just – he wasn't very good in those first two years in Memphis. And then in that third season, though, him and Chandler Parsons swapped ages, I guess, and he kind of rediscovered his juice a little bit. And you can make a case that the Grizzlies probably wouldn't have been a playoff team that 2016-2017 season if it wasn't for Vince Carter stepping up when Chandler Parsons couldn't. It was definitely his last season of a major role because obviously in Sacramento and now with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the most he played per game was 17.7 minutes uh, the season after he left Memphis. But he played in 73 games in the regular season for the Grizzlies uh, in 2016-2017, played 24.6 minutes per game. And he again, he played a starter's role in that playoff series against the Spurs in 2017. So Vince Carter definitely saved the best for last when it came to his Memphis Grizzlies run. Uh, another veteran wing, and it's kind of ironic, both Vince Carter and Tayshawn Prince, their best basketball was behind them already when they came to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Tayshawn Prince filled the role nicely from 2012-2013 to 2014-2015, so he spends parts of three seasons in Memphis with the Grizzlies uh, after he leaves Detroit. Pretty impressive to consider the run that he had with the Grizzlies. Rudy Gay wasn't a good fit. Eventually, Jeff Green wasn't a good fit. There's so many different wings that Memphis tried to put in this core four puzzle. And when Memphis made their greatest run towards the Western Conference Finals, it was Tayshaun Prince that was that glue guy that kind of held everything together. And I I do believe that's a major reason why folks thought him uh, worthy of selection on this all-decade team. Yeah, uh, I had him at seven or eight. I couldn't remember which one I had him at and which one I had Jamichael Green at. But, I mean, for the reasons you said, he was the glue guy for that Western Conference Finals team. And the big thing, too, that was very understated. I mean, obviously, he was a great defender. He kept the ball moving and all that. But he allowed guys like Mike Conley and Mark Saul, who are naturally past first players in that system with Zach Randolph and Rudy Gay, and empowered them a little bit to be scorers. And I think that honestly just opened up everything for the post-Rudy Gay and Fish Grizzlies. Rudy Gay was just such a ball stopper, right? You know, Tayshawn kind of understood his place in the offense a little bit better. You could see that very clearly. Uh, in his three seasons with the Grizzlies, he played 139 games. He, he didn't have the very best advanced numbers, to be honest with you. Uh, he, he wasn't always uh, a strong contributor in that way uh, a 9.2 per for example a 0.055 win shares per 48 minutes but he didn't stop the what made the train work best for the grizzlies especially when he first came to memphis in that trade he was somebody that allowed for them to be what they wanted to be uh, attacking down low feed the ball through mark and zach work through mike conley he was a catalyst for selflessness, and that was not something that Memphis really had a chance to have with Rudy. So Tayshaun Prince 
gets recognition alongside Vince Carter. I had Tayshawn Prince ninth. So I had OJ Mayo 10th. I had Tayshawn Prince ninth on the overall list here. Tayshawn winds up tied with Mr. Vince Carter, Vince Sanity himself for 10th, 37 points, 11 total votes. We're breaking down the Grizzlies all decade team that we have done at grizzlybearblues.com. I'm Joe Molinax. I'm joined by my co-host Parker Fleming. We are three guys in. OJ Mayo was honorable mention. We just talked about Vince Carter and Tayshawn Prince. That leads us to number nine. And I'm going to be honest with you, Parker. I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, 40 points, 11 votes. John Morant, ninth place on this list. So it's close. It's not like he blew anybody out of the water. And it's not like he was so far removed from the guy, OJ Mayo, who didn't even make the list at all. But this is definitely recency bias, right? I mean, this guy's played, what, 30 games for the Memphis Grizzlies, if that, and a few highlight dunks that he hasn't even finished in a rookie of the month, and he's ninth on the decade team, a guy who was drafted at the end of the decade. Do you think that's fair? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm never one to judge someone else's list. I mean, people base their list, list on different stuff. I personally left him off just because I left Shane Battier off for not playing three months, for only playing three months with the Grizzlies. And so, like, it's fair for me to leave John Morant and Brandon Clark, for that matter, out. But if you were to say, like, okay, who are the 10 most talented players of the decade? You can make an argument that John Morant's in the top three. But, I mean, I, I'm with you on your point. I mean, top 10 of the decade already, maybe not. But it kind of just shows, like, hey, it's crazy to see that he's already progressing this well to where, like, people are already thinking this. And it also shows just how – go ahead. Because he could have just had, like, a Mike Conley type of start to his career. I mean, he could have just, like, struggled immensely. And, I mean, that's why they brought Tyus Jones in is because if Jaw was struggling, you had a low-end starter quality point guard that can – muster most of the point guard minutes when it also shows you just how bad the the role players were that were put around the grit and grind grizzlies uh the fact that this guy's been here 30 games and again uh, i i think grizzly bear blues is a pretty solid blog we have various media members and, and two we talked about uh 15 votes or however many votes he got 11 votes uh Two of them, uh, in terms of GBBers, we just said that we didn't vote for him. So it's other people that see the value in John Morant, even outside of grizzlybearblues.com. He's definitely going to be on the next all-decade team, uh, if I'm lucky enough, in air quotes, to to still be site manager then. Uh, We'll be talking about him in that way about 10 years from now. But uh, I did not have him on this ballot. But there's no denying that there was a a strong pull for him, and and he makes it at number nine. So OJ Mayo, honorable mention. Tayshawn Prince and Vince Carter at 10th place or uh, the 10th position. John Morant at 9th. That leads us to number 8 and somebody that I know that uh, Brandon Connor, a former GBB or big fan of this guy, is going to be glad that he made the list. Courtney Lee with 15 votes. He had 52 total points and he is number 8 on the list. So in front of John Morant is Courtney Lee. And Courtney Lee gets a bad rep because I think that We all wanted him to be more than he actually was in terms of what he was capable of giving to the Memphis Grizzlies. But if we're all being honest with each other, he played the most games of his career to this point 
with the Grizzlies, 177. He started for 158 of them. He shot 37.7% from three in those games. Uh, He shot above his career average from the floor in those games. He did a remarkable job as a scorer in terms of his role. He was never going to be the dominant star that I think a lot of Grizzlies fans wanted him to be. But from his time in Memphis, from 2013-2014, all the way to the 2015-2016 season, right there in the middle of the grit and grind era, you definitely could have done a lot worse than Courtney Lee. And he has a lot of good about his game that he contributed to a team that desperately needed his skill set. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he got a bad rap in Memphis. Again, kind of what you alluded to, it almost goes to show you that this is how bad some of the role players that were put around the core four were. I mean, ideally, you wish that you could have had a Jeff Green in there or a Chandler Parsons in there. Or maybe with draft picks, you wish that like Jordan Adams or Ed Davis or Ed Davis was in a trade, but still him, or like a Wade Baldwin, you wish someone in there would have been a part of that top 10. I mean, Courtney Lee wasn't a bad player. He had some big moments in Memphis. He was a consistent contributor for very, very good playoff teams. I mean, having Courtney Lee in your top 10, the decade list, it's not bad. I mean, it goes to show you that there just wasn't enough help for the core four. Absolutely. And Courtney Lee, in fairness to him, again, you could argue his best basketball of his career, not just the longest amount of time he spent with any team, the best basketball played was as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. So we're moving along. That was Courtney Lee at number eight. Number seven on our list, uh, another solid and steady role player for the Memphis Grizzlies, Jamichael Green, who registered 61 total points. Double checking my count here. Give me a second. He appeared on 19 total ballots. So 19 out of 25 voters voted for Jamichael Green, which is pretty impressive. 61 total points. So he comes in at seventh. And this is a guy who, again, known for his G, his G League ascension, uh, D League at the time, uh, rises up to the San Antonio Spurs. But he plays five seasons for the Memphis Grizzlies, or parts of five seasons. Easily the most of his career spent with Memphis. 271 games played. He shoots 36.2% from three, which is right around his career average, of course, makes sense because he played most of his time with the Grizzlies. And now with the Los Angeles Clippers, a title contender, Jamichael Green is viewed as a guy who should be used more, who is a role player who's valuable on a championship contending team. That's exactly what Jamichael Green was viewed as towards the end of the grit and grind era there. Uh, in hindsight, were they really a championship contending team towards the end? Maybe not. The Western Conference Finals was probably their best shot. But Memphis was still a playoff contender, and Jamichael Green was a key part of those those runs. So uh, I think Jamichael fits very nicely there in that spot. I had Jamichael sixth on my list. So I'm right there with the voters uh, just a spot away. We overall have him at seven overall. Yeah, and I had him around seven or eight. I remember last week I was actually about to pitch you something saying that I wanted to write about how Jermichael Green was probably the best role player the Grizzlies had in the decade because he had that ascension where he went from a D-League fringe NBA player and ultimately worked his way up to become arguably a Swiss Army knife for the Grizzlies at the four position and kind of allowed the Grizzlies to modernize a little bit as teams were kind of taking advantage of the lack of speed in the front court with Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph. 
he was handling a lot of the big defensive responsibilities guarding guys from Kevin Durant to Carmelo Anthony to Blake Griffin. I mean, he became a versatile defender that also developed a very reliable three-point shot. And that development time in Memphis, like you said, has paid off into him being a important contributor to a title contending team. So anyone who thinks this is a bad selection, they just didn't really think about it enough. No, didn't think about it at all. Like I said, I had him sixth. My top five or my bottom five, so to speak, at this point would be OJ Mayo, Tayshawn Prince, Courtney Lee. The next guy we're about to talk about, I have him seven. Our overall list has him at six. And then I had Jermichael Green at six. So we're, we're, I'm not too far off of the overall list to this point, which is a good thing, I guess, for me. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live talking about the top 10-ish Grizzlies players of the decade that just went live and final over at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're checking it out there. I'm your host, Joe Mullinex, chatting with Parker Fleming. Number six on the overall list, Parker, is a guy, another young guy, younger than Jamichael, or excuse me, younger than Ja Morant. We complained about Ja Morant, but at least this player has played 91 games for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's shooting almost 40% from beyond the arc in his sophomore season. He's showing a real defensive presence still to his game. He's a true unicorn in every sense of the word for the Grizzlies right now. Jaron Jackson Jr. is number six on our all-decade roster I Like I said, I had him at seven, but it's really hard to squabble. Uh, this is a guy who continues to grow and develop. He's really going to thrive in Taylor Jenkins' system and alongside Ja Morant. The sky is the limit for Jaron Jackson Jr. right now. And again, he in a limited sample size, he has differentiated himself among the very best of the past 10 seasons of Memphis Grizzlies basketball. I agree, and I actually had him at 10, and it was because of the whole like sample size stuff, and I immediately regretted it as it was going live and I saw that he was six overall. It's like, crap, I actually should have had him a little higher because like you said, he's a unique player that the Grizzlies never really had this decade. I mean, there hasn't been a Grizzlies player with this much defensive versatility. And he's also not just like shooting threes at a high volume. He's shooting threes at a high volume with very good elite accuracy. I mean, as far as the league goes, you can argue that the only real unicorns in the league are him, Carl Anthony Towns, and Chris Porzingis because of their willingness and to shoot the three as well as to shoot it at an elite clip. But also, too, it goes unnoticed that he has very superb guard-like ball-handling abilities for a guy his size. Like you said, the sky's the limit. And if we're lucky enough to make a 20-decade list, it wouldn't be surprising to see him one or two. Absolutely. Uh, we will be right back. So up to this point, we have been pretty close. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. had 18 votes, 64 total points. So he and Jamichael were right there neck and neck. There's about to be a, a gigantic leap. The top five, all right? The top five of our Grizzlies all-decade list. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. It's when we come back, don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Joe Mullinex, joined by GBB Associate Editor Parker Fleming. Follow her on follow him, excuse me, on Twitter if you don't already do so at Paca underscore Flocka. We're going to jump right into our top five. But first, I do want to review where we've been. So the honorable mention was OJ Mayo. Tied for 10th was Tayshawn Prince and Vince Carter. You had Ja Morant ninth. You had Courtney Lee eighth. 
You had Jamichael Green seventh, and you had Jaron Jackson Jr. sixth. This is a list that was voted on by 25 bloggers, media members, all sorts of different folks, Gary Parrish, Peter Edmiston, and others. You can look at the entire list as part of our three-part article series on this exact activity over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Excuse me, make sure you're checking that out. These next five guys had over 125 or 127, excuse me, points voted towards them. And this next guy, Rudy Gay at number five, is the only one that's left that was not a unanimous selection. One voter left Rudy Gay off of their ballot, which is obscene and crazy to me. Uh, Rudy Gay has to be considered one of the top Grizzlies of this decade. I had him fifth. It's good to see that he gets the recognition that he deserves. Seven seasons in Memphis. It didn't work in terms of being a fit next to Zach Randolph. It essentially came down to a choice between Rudy and Zach, and Zach was the choice. I wanted Rudy to be that guy. I'm glad I was super wrong and they didn't listen to me. Uh, Zach Randolph, of course, is a legend in Memphis, and Rudy has gone on to have success elsewhere, currently with the San Antonio Spurs in particular. Uh, But Rudy Gay is fifth. Again, 24 of 25 votes, 127 points for Rudy Gay, number five on our all-decade list, Parker. Yeah, I felt like this was just right. And I know there are some people that – you mentioned one who wasn't a unanimous selection, and I knew people that had him below five. But here's the thing with Rudy Gay. There's a reason why it's taken, and still counting, six years, almost seven, for them to – fill the hole that he left i mean since he left there they have not had a single wing score that can create off the dribble score at three levels and simply just alleviate pressure off the point guard whether it was mike conley and now john morant so i mean having him any lower than five just seems silly in that respect and in fairness to people that had him lower than that he definitely has been better since leaving Memphis, you know, whether it's the LASIK guy surgery thing that came out there, the fact that he played for Greg Popovich or just the ability to be more that hybrid versatility for that. He wasn't able to be alongside Zach Randolph in Memphis where he's at his best or he was at his best. Obviously father time catches up with everybody. Uh, it just wasn't a clean fit, but that doesn't change the fact that Rudy Gay was the best wing that the Grizzlies have had in this decade, especially, and he comes in at number five in terms of his play. Number four is someone who was a unanimous selection, so all 25 voters had this guy on their list. Uh, some people had him as high as three, 176 points. Tony Allen is not on the list of any other team. He's not talented enough. He's not physically gifted enough as a scorer, especially. But because of the personality, because of his defensive versatility and tenacity, and because of the grit and grind era that you could easily argue going all the way back to that infamous now game in 2010-2011 season against the Oklahoma City Thunder, grit and grind doesn't happen without Tony Allen. So TA fourth on this list. Uh, makes a lot of sense in terms of the alignments of the core four. The three guys in front of him are definitely better basketball players, but that era of Grizzlies basketball does not happen the way it did without Tony Allen, and he's a vital part of what made this decade special for Memphis Grizzlies basketball. You know, Joe, I really couldn't say better myself. I mean, with Tony Allen, obviously it should be a unanimous four because he may not be as talented as, you know, Zach Randolph, Mike Conley, Marcus Saul, but 
without him, there's no grit and grind. And that honestly kind of makes him really, if you think about it, if you were to make this list, like who is the most important Grizzly players of this decade, he's probably number two, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with him at four. Well, and that's one of the most interesting things about this list. I I didn't give people any, I wanted it broad on purpose. What did people value? And some folks had him as high as three, like I said. Others, I had one voter who had him at two, like you just mentioned. I had others that had him as low as six. And they put a note, most overrated player in Grizzlies history, which is a bit, you know, there's a reason why. When I said that they could be anonymous ballots, at least just to me, uh, maybe folks took a little bit of liberty with that. But uh, 462 games played for the Memphis Grizzlies. He was massively important. Again, one of the greatest defending wings in NBA history, you could argue, definitely in Grizzlies history. Tony Allen worthy of his spot at number four. I had him at number four as well. I also had this next guy at number three, which is hard because I'm a big Mike Conley fan. But he's another guy who was a unanimous selection. All 25 voters had Mike Conley on the ballot. 214 points. He had multiple number one votes. He had one, two, three, four. Four of the 25 balloters voted for Mike Conley to be the most important or the best, excuse me, the greatest player in the, of the last 10 seasons for the Memphis Grizzlies. And of course, now he's in Utah and things are not going as they were supposed to with him and the Jazz at this stage. But you He's only played 22 games for the Jazz. He played 788 games as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. He averaged shooting 37.5% from beyond the arc during that time uh, over his 12 seasons that he played in Memphis. Just a remarkable, remarkable talent. All the work with charity, the cold or ice cold blood in his veins, the big shots he would make, Captain Clutch, all the different things that really stand out. But for me, Parker, What stands out most with Mike Conley is obviously the broken face playoff series where he was able to come back. And for a stretch of time, he was better than Steph Curry, better than Klay Thompson. He was the best player on the floor. And then in the 2017 playoff series against the Spurs, once again, against Klay, or excuse me, against Kawhi Leonard, one of the best players on the planet, you could argue Mike Conley went toe to toe with him and was at times better than Kawhi for stretches in that series. So Mike Conley in Memphis really showed the maximum capacity of what he was as a basketball player. He grew as a person. He's exactly what the Grizzlies, what made people fall in love with this group of guys. And number three sounds low, but it's pretty rarefied air once you get to this point in terms of this era of Grizzlies basketball. Right. And I think one of the cooler parts of Mike Conley with this decade is just the I mean, you said his growth as a person, but his growth as a basketball player, because he probably entered the decade, as Matt Moore once alluded to, as the worst starting point guard in the NBA who had just gotten the worst contract in the NBA. Well, people wanted him traded. People wanted him traded for Ramon Sessions some time ago. Right. And then he just gradually evolved into a playoff point guard, almost similar to like, I mean, well, I'm blanking on a comparison. But, I mean, he just – he was a third, mostly fourth option in the starting lineup and just gradually just climbed up the rankings. And then all of a sudden, he was that go-to guy going toe-to-toe with Kawhi, going toe-to-toe with Steph and Clay, And even with, like, he had that little revenge tour, too, when he got snubbed in 2017. After the Marcus Gasol trade, he was averaging, like, 25-9. and nine. 
I mean, what he did and just his maximization of his basketball abilities was just unbelievable. And honestly, I don't know if we ever saw that with both Gasol and Randolph. I mean, I think I had Conley about like two or three. I can't remember which one I had him and Mark at. I had Mike at number three. And here's where it gets interesting because you could easily argue that the guy that was voted number two by our overall panel is the best basketball player in the history of the Memphis Grizzlies, or at least definitely of this past decade. But was he the greatest in your definition of greatness? And that's one of the reasons I left it purposely vague. Uh, Marcus Gasol comes in at second, 10 overall first place votes. Uh, he also comes in with 220 total points. So he's six points in front of Conley. So it's not like it was a clean sweep or a clean getaway from Mike, uh, but Marcus all the defensive player of the year, all the different accolades, the multiple all-star games. Uh, I think he's the best player in Grizzlies basketball history, which is why I had him one, but there are people that had him as low as fourth on this list, which is shocking to me, Parker, to be able to say, and it, but again, it all comes down to your perspective, how you view it. And that's one of the beauties of the way that we did this. There's people that see Mark as the least important part of that core four, not because of his playing ability, but because of his personality, because of what made that era of Grizzlies basketball so organic and real, what people relate to about it. You don't connect Marcus all to it, but at the same time, accolades, the way that he played the game defensively, offensively, his skill set. He might have been the most skilled player of this era, this decade, but some people just didn't see him as that guy who's solely responsible or most responsible perhaps for being in that greatest era role. And that's why he is second and not first, despite having those accolades. Yeah. I mean, I had him second or third. And like you said, he might be, he might've been one of the most skilled. He probably would have been the skilled, most skilled player of the era. And I think the thing with Gasol that was so frustrating is like, yes, he impacted winning. Yes, he was, for the large part of the decade, one of the best at his position, whether that was just by his, I mean, was it part of his skill? Yeah, but also like part of depth, different conversation. But I feel like every time, everybody just wanted more with Mark Gasol. I mean, honestly, for the large part of this decade, why wasn't he Nikola Jokic? Because we saw at times where he can do the same thing. He can go toe-to-toe and shut down the Dwight Howards of the world, the, the Marcus Cousins of the world, the Joel Embiid's, Nikola Jokic's. Like, he was able to shut all those guys down. And it's almost like he should have been that dominant Jokic-type player the entire decade. And I think that's probably why people had him as well as four. It's because it's like, okay, you were so awesome. But for one, you had your moodiness. And two, you didn't dominate like you were supposed to. So to review, before we get to number one, and you can probably figure out who number one is, honorable mention, O.J. Mayo, tied for 10th, Tayshawn Prince and Vince Carter. Ninth was John Morant. Eighth was Courtney Lee. Seventh was Jermichael Green. Sixth was Jaron Jackson Jr. Fifth was Rudy Gay. Fourth was Tony Allen. Third was Mike Conley. Second was Mark Gasol. And number one at 227 points, 11 first place votes, Zach Randolph, Zebo, he personifies Memphis. Everything that could possibly be said about this man who just recently retired has been said already. Molly Morrison did a great job for us on Sunday recapping Zach's career and what it meant to folks in Memphis. People love this guy, and he has embraced the city. The city has embraced him. 
blue collar town, blue collar player. He is Memphis, not just on the court, but in the community. And it, it makes a lot of sense that he's number one on this list. Even though I had him second and Marcus all first, I certainly cannot argue with the panel's overall selection of Zach as the top dog on the all decade team. I would, yeah, I mean, I had Zach Randolph at one. I mean, for all the reasons he said, I have the big belief. I'll put it very shortly. I do believe in the whole idea of like, you go get the best players in the draft, you go build that young core. But at some point when you're ready to win, you got to go get that grown up. And that's what Zach Randolph was for this young Grizzlies team entering the decade. He was that grown up that got this team used to winning. But also, too, when I mean, he produced probably the greatest playoff run we will we will ever see for the top for this decade against the San Antonio Spurs in 2011, and then also just like what happened to the team when he left. I mean, the team transitioned from core forward to Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, and they became trash. And I, I just don't think that's much of an accident. It just goes to show you how big of an impact Zach Randolph made throughout the decade and with this core forward team. He was a massive influence in the locker room. It was disrespectful to think that you could continue that grit and grind mentality without Tony, but especially without Zach. It was smart to move on. You know, Zach was smart to take that contract and make that money in Sacramento. Memphis was smart to not pay him that much because that wasn't what he was worth at that stage. Uh, But I think that that, in hindsight, one of the greatest mistakes was trying to hold on to something that was no longer there. You know, 2017 was definitively the end of that era. and to Chris Wallace's benefit, I guess, or, or to his credit, when you have something that awesome, because it was awesome, people that lived it, people might think that we over-exaggerate the Zach Randolph and Memphis thing. If you weren't there to feel it, I was there to feel it. Parker was there to feel it. Others were there to feel it, and it was real. And when you have something that special, you don't necessarily want to let it go. And I think that it was it, it should have been let go of. Chris Wallace wasn't able to. But to be honest with you, a lot of us, myself included, thought that Mark and Mike could get this team in the playoffs. They weren't able to. And, of course, the team ends the decade in a lot different way than the way that they started it. But there's a future that looks pretty bright with Jaron and Ja, uh, two guys that are on this list that will almost certainly be on the next one uh, in 2029, 20, uh, 10 years from now. We'll see if I'm around to complete that list. So to review, O.J. Mayo, honorable mention, Tayshawn Prince and Vince Carter tied for 10th. Ninth was John Morant. Eighth was Courtney Lee. Seventh was Jermichael Green. Second was Jaron Jackson Jr. Fifth was Rudy Gay. Fourth was Tony Allen. Third, Mike Conley. Second, Marcus Saul. And first was Zebo himself, Zach Randolph. Thank you so much for listening. For my great co-host, Parker Fleming, follow him at Paca underscore Flocka. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. Stick around. We're going to have another podcast later on in the new year, or excuse me, this New Year's week, uh, talking about Brandon Clark and all the things going on in the future with the Memphis Grizzlies. We wanted to take this podcast episode and uh, tip our cap one final time to the past, the last 10 seasons of Memphis Grizzlies basketball. So for Parker Fleming, I'm Joe Molinax. Make sure you're checking out all the terrific content over at grizzlybearblues.com. Thank you for making us a part of your Grizzlies fandom this past decade, and hopefully you will continue to in the decade to come. Happy New Year, folks. Happy holidays. We'll see you here soon. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. (laughs) 